TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features aren't available in all states, but in just the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com. You'll see upfront pricing information and you can lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, true car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time. Save money. Never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal. Boys and girls, Ty Hildebrand here, Dan Rubenstein right on over there. Solid Verbal at gmail.com. That is still the email address. Feel free to hit us on Facebook on FanCred. And, of course, on the Twitter. Hello, Daniel. Hey, hey, Ty. How you doing? You are excited today. I'm shot out of a cannon today. Shot out of a cannon. How is your Wednesday going? Wednesday's going well. It's a touch of fall here. It's autumnal? Yeah, in eastern Pennsylvania. We had like this lunar eclipse thing this morning. Okay. Did you wake up for it? I did not. I, I actually read a tweet about it. It was like on CNN's Twitter feed. It was yeah. like, hey, it's happening from 615 to 724. And I saw it at 726. I'm like, nope, that's it's too late for me. Yep. Did you wake up? I did wake up, but there were clouds in the way. I couldn't see it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. I did see some pictures, though. It looked magnificent. I did. I saw pictures. It looked good. So we've got a number of games to cover here. Yes. This evening, it feels weird to be doing another podcast after Sunday's show, which was just batshit. You know what? Yes. I like how you said batshit. You know what? Instead of. Yeah, trying to mix it up a little bit here. Yeah, that was the weird. Toes. That was the weird part to to silence yourself and censor yourself. A with. juxtaposition like of curse words, if you will. Yes, feels weird to be doing a podcast in light of what happened this past weekend. We've got a lot to live up to. True. In week seven, I don't think the potential is quite as great mm-hmm. for upsets this week as last. However, a rather meaty slate of like seven or eight games here that we're going to discuss momentarily. Definitely. Yes. This one, it's a fun weekend. It's not a crazy weekend. It's not, I mean, every weekend's great and fun, but it's uh, it's one where there are certainly big headline games. There are peaks and valleys, but it seems like there are more peaks than usual, just not as much as last week. I will be watching these games from the Atlantic City Boardwalk. Why? Uh, a bachelor party. Which who? Which friend is this? We will discuss this later. All right, fair enough. Let's get into this later, though. Please. I do want to get rolling with some of the news of the weird. I don't know how weird it is, but yeah, uh, right. let's start with Derek Green. Yeah. At long last, I get his name right. Derek mm-hmm. Green, the running back for Michigan, done right. for the season, a broken collarbone. 
Yeah, it's a bummer, but it's not as if the offensive line were going to suddenly open up manageable, serviceable holes for him. Uh, he would have just gotten injured at some point anyway or just gotten bruised and beat up and thought less of football in general. So hopefully there is time for him to rest and heal and watch Michigan hire a coach who brings in offensive line recruits and an offensive line coach and an offensive system that will benefit him in the long term. Not to make a joke of the situation, but you might want to. But after the fact, I wonder if he's not thinking this broken collarbone thing was a hell of an idea. Get me out of that before I blow out a knee. Right. It's um, though, I, I guess Michigan, if you care about such things, goes to Devion Smith, Justice Hayes. Sure. Um, but yeah, and he wasn't doing all. I mean, he was the team's I think he was the team's leading rusher until now. But that's I mean, that's just at, cer- at a certain point, you're just talking about polishing a turd. So uh, we hope he heals quickly and safely and everything works out for him. And we hope everything works out for Michigan football in the end, because not because we love Michigan. We just really don't want to watch this current iteration of the Wolverines. Let's move to Florida, a disturbing yeah. bit of news broke earlier this week. Treon Harris, the quarterback mm-hmm. who came in and heroically led a touchdown drive to help beat right. Tennessee a week ago. He is now suspended for Mm -hmm. alleged assault accusations. We're not going to cover the accusatory angle of this story. We'll just mention that with him out, it obviously throws the quarterback situation at Florida back into a state of flux, especially considering that in an unrelated incident, another backup quarterback, Skylar Morningweg, who people have heard of, had words and then a subsequent fight with a defensive lineman over a pair of football cleats, Daniel. Oh, with that were embroidered with a, the number, the number I 17, say. I believe. Right. So, yeah, uh, not the wisest. Really look at your the paraphernalia you are or are allegedly stealing before before you make that final decision. Um, Everything's coming up. Jeff Driscoll is, I think, what I'm trying to say. So what you are telling me right now. Yeah, everything is coming up. Driscoll is that perhaps football players not the wisest, especially when they're 19, 20 years old. Need to pick your battles a little better. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I have a question for you, and this yes. is a serious question. Please. Um, having no idea what actually transpired in the investigation and suspension, whatever, of Treon Harris, where do you stand when there is an accusation that a school is investigating to the point where the president and it's the school itself, not just the a- academic, excuse me, the athletic department stepping in, in terms of suspending somebody? Yeah. Until facts come out. It's murky territory, Dan. Yeah. What do you what is what is the way to go? Obviously, there is the the sort of innocence until proven guilty. And I should mention at this point, too, the legal background that Ty and I have is non-existent and completely (laughs) blank. But in in terms of looking at how football programs uh, handle these types of situations, especially in the climate that we are now in both NFL college with accusations and arrests, is it? Is it okay by you for programs to suspend players for merely not being arrested, but being accused of very serious crimes? I won't speak to the NFL angle, although I know that's hot. I'll speak to it from the college football angle. But it's still very much in the news. Still very much in the news. I would defer, if it were me, to whatever the school policy is, whatever the handbook is that you sign on to 
uphold when you join an institution. I don't sure. know what that policy is at Florida, right. but it seems to me in the fairness, not only for athletes, but also for all of the other students that go to Florida, that go to any institution, right. that would make the most sense to me. Right. Obviously, when you've got a star athlete involved, the event is magnified. Right. Things can get out of control. The media picks it up, turns it into a whole other animal. I would probably err on the side of whatever the student handbook says. Yeah, on the side and what the team rules are, what what the the football coach in accordance with the athletic department say, this is what we do in these situations. And until things are cleared out, we sort of make space. And mind you, this it's it's not like these players are going to jail. They are being suspended from football games. They're being they're being suspended from football games and football activity, which is not like a it's not in the Constitution of America that it's playing football games until proven guilty. It's a situation where there is risk and rule management. I just want to make sure that all students are treated equally. Correct. All right. And the only way to do that is to go by the handbook. Again, star athlete, the media gets involved. Not all students are prone to that kind of attention. Right. That's probably the fairest way to treat it. And I don't know right. what that is at Florida. I haven't read up on that, but that would be my, my inclination. And to our knowledge, Treon Harris has not been jailed or arrested or charged with a crime. But yet, sometimes you need to create space and separation until dust settles. And if it turns out that it didn't happen, Treon Harris will play football in many big games. He is a true freshman. If what the accuser said actually turns out to be substantial enough to the point where he's indicted, arrested, charged, whatever, then it, it's fine that he didn't play. So I, I think it's all right to do that, especially if it's in accordance with the rules in place. OK, let's move on to actual games unless you've got some other news. Uh, had a really good brisket bowl over rice for lunch today. Some some house made pickles, some carrots. Okay, spicy sauce. I liked it a lot. So you just want to go to games then? Yeah, let's just go to games. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. Week seven, Dan. Can you believe it? Siete. Yes, I can believe it because I'm really tired. Oh, week seven. We're almost about halfway through this thing. We are indeed halfway to the playoff. Unbelievable. I've got absolutely no feel for the games this week of like the seven or eight. We're going to talk about right four five ish feel like they're almost dead even. Yeah, there are um, there are a number of games that could go either way. And it's also one of those weeks where we really need to decide how we feel about letdowns, look aheads, yep. stomach, pun- not stomach punches, um, body blows. Um and things of that nature and how traps, how how strongly we feel about things that we have corresponding sounds for. I think you're 100 percent right. Let's get started at 12 p.m. on Saturday on ABC. It's the Red River Shootout, Dan. Now, listen, if I've said this once, I said it a thousand times. Texas is still Texas. Texas is still Texas, right? <laughs> yeah. Take note, ABC, NBC, CBS, whoever. Right. This is the Red River shootout. It's not a rivalry. It's not the game. It's not the politically correct term that people want to float out there. This game is the Red River shootout. The only problem that I see Mm -hmm. is that this year it may be the Red River boat racing. Oklahoma, a 14 and one half point favorite. Yep. I see this game going one of two ways, Dan. Either Oklahoma wins by 28 or they lose by a field goal at the gun. I don't I don't feel like there's a whole lot of middle ground here. How do you feel about Texas in general? 
awful snapshot going into week seven. I, I well, I like Oklahoma because I just don't think the Texas offense can score 21 points on Oklahoma. Yeah, that gives me some pause. Um, but I am I'm encouraged by Texas's thin defense looking pretty good, making Baylor really work for it. It's strange to say they had to work for those 27 points. And that's a very strange thing to say in 2014 with how much I think everybody seems to like Baylor's offense. But Baylor on the road, obviously a step down as most teams are away from home and struggled last week. Texas's pass defense has looked good mostly all year long. I mean, Jerry Neuheisel threw a nice pass, but really UCLA didn't do too much against them without Brett Hundley. Um, BYU didn't have to do too much because Taysom Hill was healthy and ran all over them. But against Oklahoma, and, and seeing what Trevor Knight did in the second half or didn't do, and granted TCU's defense is is better than Texas's. Right, that's true. I think Texas's defense might be and, you know, Oklahoma didn't run the ball particularly well against TCU or they just ran it OK with Samaje Pirine and they're still going to be without Keith Ford this game. I think there is a possibility that Texas defense is good enough if we are to believe that Baylor is slightly better than Oklahoma offensively, at least slightly better, that Texas can keep this game relatively low scoring if they can run the ball a little bit which you would think Texas would be able to do, but their offensive line isn't such that they really can consistently. So can Texas score 21 points against a good Oklahoma defense? Probably not. Will they need to, to keep this game ugly and close? I'm not positive. You know, I could see Oklahoma winning this game 23 17 and having it be more of a game than at least people that make spreads think. Okay. Is, does that sound reasonable to you or do you, do you strongly feel about the boat racing possibility? I feel very strongly about the boat racing possibility. Okay. And I, I just think even if Texas defends Oklahoma well. Right. Oklahoma, they have a top 20, if you believe they're the efficient efficiency stats, a top 20 defense, right? They now. do. No, you're right. I just think that even if Texas defends Oklahoma well, Oklahoma is still scoring 28, 35, 38, 42 wow. points here. I okay. really do. I think they know that things are very much up for grabs still in the Big 12. They mm-hmm. still have a shot at this playoff, Dan, because yep. everyone else is losing. And I just do not trust the Texas offense to score 21 points on Oklahoma. Look, they only scored seven against Baylor. And mm-hmm. Baylor's got a good defense. I don't want to take anything away from them. However, I think Oklahoma's is a lot better. TCU just had their number. Texas is not going to be able to do that here. So I, I like Oklahoma pretty big. I'm going to say like 35 14 somewhere in that range where Oklahoma gets up pretty early they coast to victory and Texas has a chance for the old backdoor cover late sound reasonable it sounds totally reasonable I think uh, Oklahoma barely does not cover this game okay. I think it's going to be somewhere in the range of 30 to 7 it's 14 and a half 14 and a half I've got 14 and a half somewhere in like the 30 17 28 17 somewhere in there I think it's uh, right. they're going to score a little bit less than you think but Oklahoma with a second straight game away from Norman, Texas was in, you know, a tough fought game. So the body blow possibilities are pretty equal with Texas getting Baylor and Oklahoma getting TCU. Sure. So I think it's a little bit lower scoring than perhaps you think. I'm going to say Oklahoma double digit, but not cover. Also at 12 noon Eastern time on CBS, Georgia, the dogs coming at Georgia yeah. on the road, a three point road favorite. In Columbia, Missouri, Dan, who you got? Yes, here? who you got? 
this one's tough to me because both of these teams, I mean, didn't look great against South Carolina and Georgia was not that far away from winning that game. And Missouri was not that far away from, they were very close to losing that game, mere inches from losing that game. So, um, I think I'm going Georgia here. There is a stat that Missouri has been allowing longer runs. If they're, they're allowing some leaks in their front seven, which is clearly a step behind what it was last year and still beat up. Marcus golden has missed some time. Georgia, not crazy about Hudson Mason, not crazy about the consistency of this Georgia defense, but I think this could be a game where Todd Gurley runs even crazier than we had even known he could. Yeah. And I think, and Missouri has just the, the slop factor from Missouri is disturbing through the air. Although I like Maddie mock and Georgia, I, I just feel like Georgia has that one thing. And I don't think Georgia wins big here. The spread again is three, three points. I think they win by seven or eight. I think it's like a, a 37 30 game. I think it's not unlike a lot of what we saw in the Georgia, Tennessee game. But uh, and I like that Missouri had a week off. That's what gave me some pause and went back and forth before a home game. Sure. But um, I think there are too many leaks and too many big plays allowed by Missouri. I, I'm going to say Georgia 37 30. I'm surprised at how few people are talking about Georgia. I'm not crazy about them. I'm not crazy about them either. But the SEC East is there for the taken, man. True. This game could well decide who wins that side of the conference. So we sure. need to keep that in mind here. I, I have not been impressed with Missouri at all so far. I, I think the tools are there for them to beat Georgia. First of all, Missouri almost beat Indiana, dog. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you watch that mouth? Well, all right. You know, the calendar has now turned to October, so maybe yeah, I should watch. Also out. true. Georgia needs to get the secondary in order. I think mock can throw the deep ball. He can take advantage of the miscommunication that has plagued Georgia so far this season. Jeremy Pruitt needs to figure out something in the back needs to figure out something in the front to dial up pressure on mock. He's got the pass rushers to do it. The general feel though, if you go around and read some of the Georgia sites is that he's holding them back and no one knows why that is, but they feel he's holding back the front for the front seven. I think this is the key. If they can find a way to pressure mock Georgia wins this game and essentially the sec East. So my feeling is that Georgia is way better than Missouri. I don't think the Mizzou defense has any answer for Todd Gurley, as you mentioned. And in a vacuum, I think Georgia's probably about 10 points better. Okay. I actually feel very confident about this one. Wow. Of the week. One of two locks for me this week. I'm going to take Georgia to win this game by 10 on the road in Columbia and essentially win the SEC East in the process. I have a, I have a confession to make. Yeah. I'm not super comfortable with how you said Jeremy Pruitt in the back. He's got yeah. work to do in the back. That didn't make me feel the best. I'm sorry. Okay, it happens. 3.30 on CBS. Auburn on the road. Yeah. Three-point favorite against Klanga Klanga. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State, Dan, we asked the question on Sunday. I'll ask it again now. Who do you trust more? Because in one corner, you've got Nick Marshall at home. Auburn team won the SEC, almost won the BCS a year ago. And in the other, you've got Dak Prescott, who everyone knows is now the trendy Heisman pick. Mm -hmm. Mississippi State's looked really dominant through six weeks out of this college football season. 
These teams are two and three on the ESPN.com dominance index, which I have no idea what that means, but it sounds right. impressive. So, Dan Rubenstein, who do you trust more? Do you trust Nick Marshall? Do you trust Dak Prescott? I think there is a letdown spot potential here for Mississippi ah. State, and not because not because I think Mississippi State isn't that good. I think they're fantastic. I think at this point in the season, I think the possibility of Auburn running away, not running away, but Auburn comfortably beating a good team, to me, is more likely than Mississippi State beating two good teams in a row. And it's a situation where I just haven't seen it from Dan Mullen. Doesn't mean it can't happen. But in terms of what I trust right now, I trust how good Auburn has been on both sides of the ball. Uh, the Kansas State offensive game, nonwithstanding, they were great on defense against a, a really supremely average LSU team. I think they can handle a hostile environment much better than Texas A&M could just because of the, the poison experience on both sides of the ball that Auburn has. I think Nick Marshall's fantastic. And... I, I just feel like game day is going to be there a week after a huge win. I just feel like now squarely so much attention is going to be on a team that is not used to this attention at all. Not to say again that they can't handle it. It's just one of those things where in a tight game, I think there's a reason why Auburn is favored. And obviously lines are set to, to encourage movement on both sides sure. gambling wise. I think Auburn is better than Mississippi State. And I think they're better no matter where they play. I'm going to say the Tigers, I forget what I, the exact score I took on easy call. I think it was somewhat similar to what I said in the first game. I'm going to say Auburn 34, Mississippi state 28 close game like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think this has a lot of potential to be a good game. And, you know, I, I went through this one for hours. I really yeah. did. And by every metric I can find, these teams are virtually even. I mean, Mississippi state's got, a little better in offense. Auburn's got a little better at defense. Again, statistically, two very similar offensive systems. The only mm -hmm. real indicator we may have for this game is a couple weeks back, you mentioned the K-State game. Right. That's a game that Auburn very easily could have lost. Otherwise, though, I think you can question all of Mississippi State's wins. How good is A&M? You want to talk about South Carolina, right? How good is A&M? We just don't know. Maybe we'll find out a little bit more this week when they go home to play against uh, Ole Miss. I, I don't have a lean here. I really don't. I am going to err on the side of the home team, and that's because I trust in Dak Prescott and his ability to throw the football Dash. a little bit more than I do in Nick Marshall's ability to throw the football if they have to. Wow. Okay. And I have just been totally wowed by the Bulldogs so far this season. So okay. I am going to stick with Mississippi State – I say it's a shootout. Let's say 45-41, clanga-clanga, Mississippi State, a big win in Starkville. All right. It's going to be fun. Mississippi State's a fantastic team. I, I am looking forward to this game, and yeah. it troubles me to even make a pick because <sighs> I have reasons to root for both of these teams. I, I just yeah. I like watching both sides play, and uh, I'm hoping that it lives up to the billing. Oftentimes Bless these you, games Ty. don't. Oftentimes these games don't. True. All right. Uh, where else do we want to? Actually, let's jump ahead for a second if we could. Yeah, do it. We should mention that Alabama now goes on the road against Arkansas. The game's at 6 Eastern on ESPN. Uh, I don't want to go into too deep a dive of this game. Right. Alabama's a 10 and a half point road favorite. 
Mm-hmm. I just think for Arkansas to beat Bama, they've got to learn to pass. And I, I don't know if they're able to do it here. I think Bama probably dares Brandon Allen to throw the ball. Feels a lot like that Auburn-Arkansas game where it was close for a while and then Auburn just pulls away late. So maybe something in like the 38-17 range. Well, Brandon Allen, I mean, he doesn't give the ball away. I think he's got one pick on the season. He's been better this year. Yeah, he has one pick on the season. He's if you pay attention to things like rating, which is still sort of incomplete as a stat, especially we're only about halfway into the season. Uh, By that metric, he's about a top 25 quarterback, which doesn't mean a ton, but he's he's a decent quarterback at this point. I think more of the issue with with Arkansas is we like Hunter Henry as 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 a tight end. But in terms of vertical threats, you don't see consistent production and a consistent ability that way. And they're not built to do that. But in order to beat a very good team like Alabama, a very, very good team like Alabama, you would need to be a little bit more complete, one would think. The only thing holding me back, and again, we won't go too deep a dive, but this game does become more and more interesting to me the more I think about it. It is a body blow situation for Alabama, not just coming off of Ole Miss, a very, very physical, excellent defense, a second straight road game in the SEC West against what we, I think, have accepted to be a very, very hard-hitting, um, especially on offense, Arkansas team. We've okay. also seen some discord in the Alabama world after scoring, what, 10 offensive points last week against a very good Ole Miss defense. So in terms of turmoil, and I think, did Arkansas get last week off? Arkansas had last week off. So Arkansas gets last week off with an Alabama team in a place that you would want that Alabama team coming off of a very physical game two second straight week on the road with offensive questions, leadership questions. If you're going to listen to AJ McCarron talk, um, it's very difficult for me to pick Alabama in a runaway in this game. What's the spread 11? I've got it at 10 and a half right now. 10 and a half. Yeah. I think Alabama's a couple touchdowns better, but I don't think it's it's not going to be 52 nothing like it was last year. I'm going to say 30-17 Bama. By the way, why is A.J. McCarron talking? Mm. I think he's upset that Alabama didn't look as good as it should have, in his opinion, against Ole Miss last week. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a pick in this game? Yeah, I like Alabama 38-17. 38-17. Okay, fair enough. Somewhere in that range. I think it's close for a little while, and then Bama pulls away. All right. Dan, let's take a break on the flip side. Have a word from our sponsor and then preview the rest of week seven. Yes. Because sometimes you need a little fun with your sports. This is not a sports show. This is a me show. The Steve Zavid Show from Yahoo Sports Radio. Sally, how soon before Scott's daughter Instagrams her? Sports talk with fun and frivolity. Are you out of your mind? I'm talking about a sports show. God, I sound terrible, don't I? Oh, excuse me. Hello and welcome. <clears throat> Take three. Listen to the Steve Zabin Podcast on Podcast One. Just search Zabin. C-Z-A-B-A-N. I got carried away. I'm very sorry. Okay, our sponsor tonight. You know our sponsor tonight. FanDuel.com. Mm-hmm. Are you into free cash, Dan? Let me ask you that question free that money. sounds like that sounds very difficult i, I feel like you're, there's a trick here with what you're about to tell me there's no rabbits and hats i'm just talking about fanduel.com okay it is the coolest fantasy football site ever ever e-v-a-r i like the conviction with which you speak it makes it sound like you are really passionate about what you were talking about here is why it's cool yeah, you could pick a new lineup, play fresh every week. You could win real hard American cash. 
Mm-hmm. One week fantasy football. It means you're not wiped out early in the event that your players go down with an ACL. Pick a fresh team. Go again each week. Win, get immediate cash payouts. That's all you got to do. I like cash payouts as a general rule, Ty. So I am going to do more to investigate the thing that you were talking about. Here's where the free cash comes in. If you're a first time user, go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic, enter the promo code verbal, V-E-R-B-A-L. They're going to match your initial deposit dollar for dollar up to 200 bucks. Damn. 200 bucks. And this, you can play for as little as one dollar per entry no upfront fees no long-term commitment you can get all the fantasy football you want my friend at fanduel.com one more time all you got to do is enter v-e-r-b-a-l at fanduel.com that's f-a-n-d-u-e-l.com promo code is verbal two hundred dollars for free it potentially expires very soon. So you want to go there now one more time. That's FanDuel.com. 3.30, ABC. The Baylor Bears, eight and one half point favorites over TCU. Oh, man, this one's going to be fun. I'm going to say I have no lean in this one either. TCU, of course, a huge winner last week over Oklahoma. Made some plays on defense. That should come as no surprise. Maybe a bit of a hangover effect here, though you'd have to expect Gary Patterson will do something to minimize. It seems like that kind of coach on the other side. You've got the Baylor Bears. They should be bright eyed and bushy tailed after a relaxing six week bye. I don't know, Dan. I got two things that I can't get out of my head. Okay, and I want you to tell me if they're reasonable. Okay, I'll try my best. First and foremost, I think Bryce Petty is still hurt. He definitely looks to be, yes. Did not look good last week. I don't, I don't want to overreact. At the very least, he's very tentative. Right. And be, and they're not giving him a ton to do. Let's not overreact, but you right. can't blindly dismiss a 7-for-22 showing. Right. Even against a, a decent Texas defense. That I, I want to say the efficiency metric in terms of their pass defense is like 6th in the country. Fair enough, but yeah. this is Bryce Petty. He was a Heisman caliber Correct quarterback last season mm-hmm. i can't dismiss seven for 22 if he goes seven for 22 against tcu baylor's gonna lose that would that would be a very wise statement to make so that's reasonable the second thing is that tcu's got an air raid offense and it's been surprisingly good yes i don't know if anyone expected trevon boykin to look as good as he has you gotta figure if he could throw against oklahoma he could probably throw against baylor too right Right. They didn't do that offense. Didn't do a ton in the second half. What I'm curious about in terms of TCU's offense against Baylor's defense is Baylor's defense has shown some cracks. I think they're down a starting defensive end in this game. I think I want to say he's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to believe that BJ Catalan will see some some running lanes with, a, with an experienced TCU offensive line. I think things will be opened up somewhat for this TCU offense by the run game. Yeah. I part of me thinks that our Bryles just hasn't shown anything, hasn't wanted to expose anything playbook wise and Bryce Petty to anything that he doesn't need to in games that he feels like he can win with 70% of a playbook. He can't beat TCU with 70% of a playbook, not with the way the Horn Frogs defense is built and that, that four two five way for speed and to make open field tackles and to be disciplined. Uh, it is a potential letdown spot for TCU after such a huge win at home against Oklahoma. I'm 
with Baylor at home, I think TCU and Gary Patterson has played Art Bryles consistently well, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who's on that team. I'm going to, I'm going to say TCU is good enough to keep this close. I think Baylor wins a squeaker at home 30 to 27. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to take TCU. I don't buy into the letdown effect here. Yeah, I, I tend to, I tend not to either just because TCU is built so well and has consistently played so well against Baylor. Not only that, but it would be different if this game were against like Iowa State. But yeah. no one's looking past Baylor. And I think True. the same deal with Mississippi State and Auburn. Sure, Mississippi State had a big win against Texas A&M last week, but no one's looking past Auburn. Auburn won the conference last year. I, I don't buy into the look ahead effect there. I'm, I'm not saying look ahead. I'm saying more of a just... A Mississippi State letdown. I do believe in the letdown and the look ahead when we get to Notre Dame UNC, which we'll cover briefly right. later in the show. It appears that it also could be a double uh, a double body blow game. So I think in terms of what TCU faced against Oklahoma and Baylor faced against Texas, at least uh, Baylor's uh, Baylor's offense was was roughed up in that game. I don't yeah. did Baylor score. Baylor didn't score a, an offensive touchdown or even a defense. I think it was a special teams returned block situation for Baylor in the first half. So with especially how good TCU looked early on in the Oklahoma game and how bad Baylor looked in the first half against Texas, there there's a, there's an easy to understand way that this game could be ugly and close for most of it. Well, I agree with you. I'm, I'm going to take TCU as well. It would mm-hmm. not surprise me if they won this game outright. Yeah. I'm not banking on that, but I, I feel like on a neutral field, this is like a three or a four point line. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to give me eight and a half, I'm going to take that in a heartbeat. And I like TCU. I think they are built for Baylor, as you've said here, as you said in your easy call spot. I do think this team is beat to contend with Baylor. I like Baylor to win a close one here. Uh, 31-28, somewhere in that range. Thanks, Baylor, for not playing anybody so we can glean anything from any of your games until last week. That was your first real-ish game, I yeah. guess, Iowa State to, to a certain extent. But 10 penalties weren't good on third down. It is it is tough. It is tough to be into October and not know too much. So good for Baylor, I guess. Uh, TCU doesn't, doesn't have a ton to go off of. Okay, let's move on. 3.30 on Fox. It is the Mr. Softy Bowl, Daniel. It's, it's a bowl of ice cream. Oregon, a two and a half or a three point road favorite yeah. against the UCLA Fighting Bruins. So, my locks of the week are kind of the surest thing in college football picking, right? That is, uh, that is accurate. Yeah. Uh, lock up the Bruins for me. Lock of the week. Locking? Are you going reverse jinx? Are you taking a page out of my playbook? Absolutely not. That's not. Listen, I am. That is cowardice that I do not subscribe to. Okay. Um, Explain. UCLA is at home. They have a good front seven. Um, I think uh, they get an Oregon offensive line that might be getting one key member back. Might and certainly not a member at 80, 90, 100 um, percent. I I worry about UCLA's offensive line, but it's not like Oregon's offensive line is going to dominate themselves. They don't play against each other, but I think it might almost cancel each other out. UCLA allows a ton of sacks. Oregon has not given Marcus Mariota any time. Oregon has not, I don't believe, had a 100-yard rusher 
this whole season. That is spreading, an incredible stat to me. They're they're spreading the ball around. Obviously, Byron Marshall and Royce Freeman and Thomas Tyner all getting carries, but for for nobody to go over 100 yards, for nobody to bust out at like a 71 yard run. And I know it, it sounds spoiled of me, yeah. and that I'm not a real Oregon fan because I wasn't there in 1980. I don't care. You should against this schedule, having this schedule at this point, Washington state's defense, which hasn't been fantastic this year, as we saw last week, uh, a couple of FCS level game. I mean, Wyoming is not, but um, South Dakota is Oregon's inability to run the ball. It speaks volumes for how bad this offensive line looks, not just because Marcus Mariota doesn't have time, but because the threat of play action is less and less as they've been able to run the ball less and less. You couple that with the ability of UCLA to move the ball at times, uh, both through the air and on the ground. They should be able to push around a beat-up Oregon defensive line. They should be able to throw some on this Oregon back, especially with Don Pelham game planning and looking at (laughs) third and 11 as just an invitation. Do you want want to... Do you want to gain 14 yards? Just tell Don Pelham it's third and 12. I think in terms of scheme, the Noel Mazzone, Don Pelham pillow fight is one of the worst things we could possibly watch on this good football weekend. And we're talking about two ranked teams paying these people to do good football things. So, I wrote down pillow fight on my note sheet. Like my scribble, really? I swear to God, on my like lined 12th grade scribble that I have here in front of me. Did you ever see um, Pineapple Express yeah. with Seth Rogen and James sure. Franco and Danny McBride? Yep. You know how at the end of the very, very end of that movie, it's a scene with all of them like in a diner reflecting on how crazy things got. Yeah. I could see Noel Mazzone and and Don Pelham sitting in a diner after this game. Like, did you even know that was a rule? That was crazy. <laughs> and when you did the whole thing where like you threw it and like the receiver didn't know to go deep, but the corner like that was oh man, that was pretty crazy. So this is this is a side of you that we have not seen <laughs> since we started doing the show in 2008. This, this is the truth. Yeah, Oregon's had a full coaching staff. Or Oregon's then. always had a full deck and they've yeah. always had a ton of promise. And you've always been quick to point out that promise. Now you are like receding like the flood no. with your Oregon fandom here, or at least your Oregon optimism, let's say. I'm not receding. My Oregon optimism yeah. has waned a bit. That's but what I here, mean. Here's the thing. In a wide open Pac-12 with everybody having very clear flaws, and it's not like you can't, if you are a USC fan, you should be describing your coaching staff in a very similar way as I'm talking about this Oregon staff. If you're a UCLA fan, you should be talking about it in a very similar way. Washington State couldn't make a 19-yard field goal to win a game at home. Everybody can complain in the Pac-12 about their fatal flaw. It's just that Oregon's been to BCS games four out of the past five years, and now collectively as people that care about Oregon football have to come to realize that perhaps some mistakes in the transition to a new era were made and Oregon is simply going to be a top 15 team and granted there's injuries all over the place and they would be a better offensive team and they probably would have beaten Arizona with a a healthy team but you know what everybody gets hurt so Oregon at this point has had enough miscues recruiting has had enough miscues in the transition where I am locking up UCLA wow Okay. And UCLA just lost at home to Utah's backup quarterback. So let's not feel terrific about UCLA. <laughs> um, has, how many backup quarterbacks has UCLA played against? They beat Texas's backup quarterback, yeah. barely. They lost to Utah's backup quarterback. USC lost to ASU's backup quarterback. Um, it's a good year to be the number two. 
and to play UCLA for sure. Yeah, Georgia got to play against Clemson's backup quarterback for the majority of that game before Clemson realized Deshaun Watson was way better than Cole Stout. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I want to see more of this side of you because it could be that you turn into the self-loathing Notre Dame fan that I've been and I turn into the balanced, calm, confident Oregon fan that you've been for the last six seasons. I, I do like picturing the two of them in a diner, though. That's like a legitimately enjoyable, like, that was that explosion was crazy. <laughs> oh Who even knew a tight end could go out for passes? All right, so look, I am I am fully out on UCLA. I, I'm yeah, selling I my stock. Him. I understand completely why you like UCLA here. I'm sure a lot of it's got to do with your own personal frustrations regarding the Oregon football team. I Surely. like Brett Hundley. I like nothing else to UCLA. There's no creativity on offense. No. There's no bite to the defense. No. I'm sure the Bruins are going to come out fired up for this one. I think last week was a bit of a look ahead spot for them, but Oregon just has way way more in terms of offense that scares me. I think Oregon could run a much much better version of the Utah offense we saw last week with Kendall Thompson. So, I'm going to take Oregon to win this one. Probably a lot of points, 38-31. They cover yeah. Two and a half points, whatever the spread is on the road. That's fair. You know the old adage? I, I just like using analogies to talk about this really flawed game of top 20 teams. Yeah. You know the analogy? And I God, I'm gonna do my best not to be misogynistic because I don't mean to be. Like you don't like if you're like a 55-year-old, don't marry your 24-year-old mistress or you know, your 24-year-old girlfriend. Just have some fun. UCLA, don't don't make your recruiting coordinator the offensive line coach. <laughs> don't make your recruiting recruiting coordinator the defensive backs coach. They're great recruiters. Why are you having them coach? Yeah. Yeah. That's my problem. Should be a fun game. 330 yeah. Eastern. Same goes for the 50-year-old ladies with the 24-year-old boyfriends. There Come you on. You played it Play both thing. ways. Boy toy. Nine o'clock. Let's jump ahead in time. ESPN. Yeah. Good one here. Ole Miss on the road against Texas A&M in Kyle Field. I think A&M is still overvalued here. I realize that. I mean, the South Carolina victory looks worse and worse every week. I I know. I I just think they're still overvalued a bit. Um, The South Carolina win, as you mentioned, does not look as impressive. Right. That win over Arkansas could have, maybe should have been a loss. Last week's loss was a sign of things to come. I think this is an eight and four team with shiny packaging. I don't I don't think that's wrong at all. Here's my problem, though. Ole Miss, if we're going to abide by certain things that I have no idea how accurate these are, but if we're going to abide by certain fun things to say, like let down and body blow and all these things, Ole Miss is coming off of a huge emotional and physical letdown after beating Alabama and carrying around goalposts, granted not the players and coaches, but as a program, this huge emotional win with the national spotlight with game day and a pop singer and whatever, whatever the the circus was in Oxford last week coming off of a very physical game against Alabama. That can't be discounted. They beat the crap out of each other in that game going to a fairly difficult place to play in Kyle field. Granted it's a Kyle field that has not seen Kevin Sumlin beat a ranked team yet. But a, a difficult-ish place to play in Kyle Field yeah. against a more often than not scary, dangerous offense. I, I want to say it's a fairly simplified offense because of Kenny Hill's inexperience, but a versatile offense with an experienced offensive line. I don't disagree that AM is an eight and four looking team. I just think this is a spot 
where Ole Miss okay. can just flat lose this game. I think the defense is so good, though. I'm going to say 20 to 17 Texas A&M. Okay. Wow, low scoring. Yeah. Um, oh, de- with with uh, with Ole Miss's defense. Yeah, and Ole Miss still can't run the ball, which means they, they won't be able to run the ball on the no. road. So look, A and M's not as good as Alabama, but they're good enough to be favored here, and they are yeah. two two and a half. Depends where you look. Beyond that letdown potential, which I believe is very real, mm-hmm. very real. I'm going to reiterate this again. You alluded to it. We mentioned it last week. We mentioned it the week before. Dr. Bo is going to slip on the scalpel. He's going to do it. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to be, but they can't run the ball. You're right. No. It is all on him. It may not be this game. It may not be next game. Right. It will happen one of these weeks. I love Ole Miss. God bless them. They are not going to go undefeated because eventually Dr. Bo is going to get them. And it may not be against one of the top echelon SEC teams. Right. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. That said... If you're an Ole Miss fan, your biggest fear's got to be that the offense comes out sluggish, that Dr. Bo makes that mistake, right. and A&M goes up like 14 nothing in the first quarter. Yeah, and A&M dropped a lot of balls against Mississippi yeah, State. Absolutely. So if they get up early, and that's usually the way these letdown games start, right? Um, what does Ole Miss do? How do know. they react? From where I'm sitting, I think I still trust Ole Miss way more than I do A&M. I think defense travels. That's an old expression. It's been around sure. forever. Definitely. The defense travels. They've got one of the best in the country, might have the best pass defense in the country. And I think all that helps, even if the offense gets off to a sluggish beginning. Like Ole Miss's offense did last week against another good team in Alabama. Absolutely. I don't think... Even if AM jumps out to that early lead, that they've got enough defense to hold it. This is a good game. I think Ole Miss keeps the train rolling. They're getting points here. I think they win this game outright 35 31. Wow. Wow. They're going to give up 31 points, that defense? 35 31. Wow. Um, yeah. It's one of those things, too, where the teams that have had success against AM have been able to blow them off of the line with the run game, with their offensive lines, where I don't believe Ole Miss does at this point. So it could be the fact. It could be. Like we saw in that first game with Clemson, Georgia, where I think we all really like Clemson's defense the more we've seen them. And we've all come to realize that Cole Stout is not the best quarterback on that roster, where the Ole Miss defense is actually looking a little bit worse than it actually is because of the offense's inability to convert third downs, to keep drives going, and the defense is on the field for an entire second half or something like that, where they're just old Texas A&M is picking them apart, and all of a sudden you have guys missing open field tackles that they're normally making and guys screwing up coverage and having mental errors. So I think that's entirely on the table, which would make sense for your final score, that it's higher scoring than we think. Yeah. I just I just don't know if Ole Miss is built like that offensively, like the, like Arkansas and uh, and Mississippi State. I think this is a really good game. A really good, a really tight game. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that A&M goes up early, but I think it comes down to their defense not being able to hold it. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Ole Miss makes a play on defense. I don't know. 35-31 is where I'm, where I'm thinking here. The, remember the first half score, Ole Miss and Memphis? Yeah. 7-3. No, I get it. I get it. I Look, I don't disagree with you. I'm Seven just saying. points in those first three quarters against I got to go with my gut. So far yeah. this year, I've been I've been doing pretty oh, well. I don't, I, there's zero wrong with taking Mississippi. There are every, there's a lot to love about Mississippi. Sure. 
All right, 10.30 ESPN2, mm-hmm. USC, two-and-a-half-point road favorite yeah. at Arizona. This is a Chris the Capper lock. Let's have a listen. Game two is, let's take USC minus two-and-a-half against Arizona. Said it once out of a thousand times. Teams don't look as good or as bad as they looked the previous week. Arizona, huge letdown spot off a huge road win at, at Oregon. Southern Cal off a Hail Mary loss at home. Seems like looking at SC, they beat Stanford, then lose to Boston College, then beat Oregon, then lose to Arizona State. I think they put it all together, and I really don't believe Rich Rod has a top-10 team. I still don't trust their defense, and I'm not completely sold on their quarterback. So let's take Southern Cal to win this one, 31-21. to 31-21. As Chris mentioned, another potential letdown spot for a team weirdly here against USC, which you never would have said like 20 years ago. Right. Arizona knocked off Oregon on the road. They did what, Ty? I know. I'm as shocked they as you did are. What? Arizona, by the way, the first team since 1989 to jump from being unranked into the top 10 the, top the next 10, week. Yeah. yeah. Brett McMurphy, our friend, had Arizona as high as two on his ballot. So wow. there's a lot of buzz here for Arizona, and I'm just not sure this team is ready for it. You see it a lot where a team gets a big upset. Then the next week, a ton of hype, a ton of media, ranked much, much higher than they were the week before. Then all of a sudden, that's when things happen. I do think USC should have won last week, Dan. Mm -hmm. I think they should have won. And though it was bad defense against a Hail Mary, it was still a stroke of really good fortune for ASU. And I, I just wonder how that affects USC psyche because it could either really fire them up for a chance at a top 10 road win. Right. Or they could go the way they did against Lane Kiffin and just mail the whole damn thing in. Your th- so what, so your final thought is what? I think USC gets the job done here. Okay. You have a score. Um, it's gotta be high scoring, right? I would assume so. Yes. Oregon didn't have the offensive line to take advantage of a really average Arizona front. Um, and USC has the athletes, has the horses to go right at. And they, their offensive line is pretty decent to go yeah. right at if they were wise to go right at Arizona and then pop them with play action after uh, Arizona has to sell out against the run. But yeah. who knows? Uh, maybe like 37, 28. Yeah, that seems reasonable. You know what I like about this game? Uh, USC can't cover a Hail Mary and Arizona's already won a game on a Hail Mary. <laughs> this is true. They've already. So if Arizona just goes with the all Hail Mary offense, <laughs> like a first time video game, all streaks, just send them just Arizona's got a bunch of good receivers. Their quarterbacks has, has a decent enough arm, a new Solomon or a new S or a noose mm. as it were. Yeah. Um, I think Arizona should be able to throw and it. When you look at the USC game against Arizona State, it wasn't just the failure on the the part of USC's final play defense and their prevent and their anti Hail Mary assault, whatever. They let ASU march down the field the entire fourth quarter with ASU's backup quarterback. Uh, USC corners and and safeties were taking chances on inter trying to intercept balls instead of just keeping the play in front of them. USC just looked ill prepared for a game like that. And so they weren't able to stop a team from passing and marching down the field in the second half. And they weren't able to stop a team from running, marching down the field in the second half, as we saw against Boston college. But other than that, (laughs) 
<laughs> USC is in great shape yeah. to play four quarters of football, especially on defense. I think USC wins the game just because I, I want I want to say Arizona is a little bit overvalued. They they caught Oregon at the right time against the right Oregon coaching staff. Yeah. Uh I I'm not crazy about USC coming off of a bad loss, but I think ultimately if they are able to be a little bit healthy and a little bit forgetful of last week. USC should be able to put together a good enough game plan to keep it simple and beat a let down situated Arizona 31 to 27. Yeah, I went back and forth on this one, too. Like I said, I I didn't have a lean on a lot of these. And yeah, honestly, uh, I could find reasons for Arizona to win this game, too, just as easily as I could USC. I just really believe that Arizona, while a good team, is not a great team. Right. Not a top 10 elite caliber team, as Chris said in his lock. So I'm going to go USC. I, I don't feel great about going one way or the other here. This is like on a scale of one to 10, maybe a two in terms of confidence for me. I just, right. I, I don't like this, but as you said, Arizona doesn't play defense and it is Sarktober. It is Sarktober. Well, that's we forget? the thing too. We're, we're, I, this is my prediction for Sunday, whatever time midday when we record our rap show. Yeah. And that's a hip hop show that Ty and I do in addition to the solid verbal. Right. Um, my prediction is we're going to say, yeah, we probably should have seen that coming. Rich Rod against Sark. Not yeah. fair. <laughs> that's <laughs> what we that we will say that on Sunday. But until then, yeah. we're going to make our dumb pick for USA. All right. So a couple other games here that I want to go through very quickly. Yeah. Chris, the capper going triple barrel. He locked up LSU last week against mm-hmm. Auburn. That did not work out for those of yeah. you playing along. He's got two more. So he locked up USC. He's also got uh, two others here. Let's have a listen to the first. North Carolina plus 17 at the Fighting Irish. Um, Just an absolute stinger of a game. I do not want to bet on this North Carolina team. Given up 70 points, 50 points, and 34 points the last three weeks. But he's going to do it. However, I'm not sure there's been a a bigger sandwich game in the history of sandwich games than there is right now. Spoiler! Fighting Irish off a last-second heroic win at home last week against Stanford. Next week has Florida State. Uh, and in between it, just a putrid North Carolina squad that uh, doesn't have a defense. However, it probably has the best offense that Notre Dame has played to date. And I think the Fighting Irish come out little, kind of sleepwalk through this one. So let's take Notre Dame to win, but uh, North Carolina to cover. Let's take the Irish 28-20. Yeah, by the way, Dan... Mm. I circled this game back in like April. Yeah, before you knew how terrible North Carolina was. And I'm I'm still going to side with Chris on this one. North Carolina wins the game. Notre Dame is prone to letdowns and look aheads, and especially when both happen at once. Mm -hmm. So I will take reluctantly. I hate betting against Notre Dame. You know this. Mm hmm. UNC plus the 17 here feels like a good bet to me. Have fun. I want nothing to do with this game. This game is this game is awful. This game is radioactive. I, I Notre Dame is good enough to win this game by forty. Um, yeah, I I feel weird and icky and a little bit itchy talking about this game in the first place. Can we move on? He's also got uh, a play in the Washington Cal game. Let's have. A I listen. don't hate this. And my third one. Let's take Washington plus three at Cal. I mean, look at Cal. Forty-five loss on a hell Mary to Arizona three weeks ago. Won in overtime against Colorado, put up 59 points, and then won last week 60-59 against Washington State with a Washington State quarterback due for like 1,000 yards. Washington, off a bye, has plays pretty good defense. Their offense isn't great. 
However, I'm not really sure Cal's defense is that good at all. And I'm not sure how much Cal has left in the tank after the back-to-back-to-back last-second heroic games, high-scoring games that they played. So I think Chris Peterson, pretty good coach, 16-2 straight up off a loss. So let's take Washington this one, to win this one outright. Let's take the Huskies 41-28. to So here's what I'd add to Chris's analysis. Mm-hmm. You were pretty high on Washington to cover that spread against Stanford. Yeah. And, you know, they did. You were right. right. Stanford's offense might be one of the worst we've seen all year. To cover that eight-point spread to me doesn't say a whole lot. Right. And Washington's had a game against what? Eastern Washington where they gave up 52 points a couple weeks back. Right. Do you feel strongly about the Washington defense, Dan? I feel strongly about half of the Washington's uh, half of Washington's defense. I think Cal is in in terms of the weakest parts of this game. Cal's defense is still to count on Cal's defense to play four full quarters well against an average Washington offense, not a bad Washington offense, pretty average. It's, it's not like they're playing against Stanford this week. I think it's a lot to ask. I think Washington is in a nice place. Cal with a couple of big emotional games recently. Um, I It's not a real letdown spot because Cal is still not the class of the Pac-12, right. but... Uh, I think Washington can come into this game knowing how wide open the Pac-12 is at this point and still only having lost. They've only lost to Stanford, correct? Yeah. All right. I'm going to take Washington here by a touchdown. I think they take this game 38-31. Yeah. I kind of like Washington straight up as well. Yeah. Okay. So my lock was Georgia. I've got another one here that I'll I'll run through momentarily, but we need to get uh, any others that you might have. Lightning round of sorts. Yeah, what you've, you're asking me. you've got uh, UCLA, I believe. Are there any others for you? No, I'm just going with that UCLA, UCLA lock. I feel good. That's my um, that's my uh, my Pineapple Express lock of the week. Okay, I've got one here. Yeah, lock of the week. Going way off the grid to the ACC. Oh no. Yeah. Tell me, tell me more, Papa. What is this ACC you speak of? NC State minus four at home against Boston College. Okay. A game you look at and then choose to look away from. I understand it. I get it. I think NC State is very quietly a decent ACC team. Not good. Right. Not bad. Squarely in that decent mid-range area. Fair enough. I don't like Boston College at all. I think the loss that USC had on the road a couple weeks ago might have been the worst loss we'll see by any ranked team all year. Just brutal. Maybe the Clemson of the year when we when we come to Verbi voting. I don't know. I like Jacoby Brissett. I think Boston College is entirely one dimensional. I think NC State does enough to contain Tyler Murphy to keep that offense down. I think NC State wins this game by 14 points. Fair enough. I'm going to stay in the ACC. Okay. I really like Syracuse plus 23 and a half against Florida State in a look ahead spot for Florida State having Notre Dame. uh, What next week, right? Yeah. Having Notre Dame next week, Syracuse, I feel like, is decent enough on the ground. Florida State is beat up everywhere, has been pretty inconsistent everywhere. Still fantastic team, but uh, I like Syracuse here at home against Florida State to only lose this game by 16, 17 points. Um, elsewhere in the country that we haven't covered, there's not a ton to love. Michigan State struggled with Purdue last year, but Purdue is not all that good. I think Michigan State does well enough coming off. Hopefully they can get four full quarters out of their team this week. Um 
I would watch out East Carolina going to South Florida. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feel like it feels like a weird spot right now. That South East Florida's Carolina, plucky. They are a little bit plucky. They are improving under Willie Taggart's. Um, aside from that, in the top 25, I think Georgia Tech Duke. I think Georgia Tech is ranked now. Yeah, Georgia are they Tech's ranked? undefeated. They're playoff They're, eligible. They are playoff eligible. They are the road to the playoff goes through Atlanta. Um, Duke's been running the ball surprisingly well, but they didn't look all that good against Miami. I think this is going to be a very interesting game. So uh, as far as the early games go, there's Georgia, Mizzou, there's Oklahoma, Texas, but I would keep a watchful eye on ESPN's game plan or ESPN three, which is what is airing this game outside of that. Just stay up late for Arizona, USC. That's just going to get weird. Yeah. Thursday night, unfortunately, game. It's not going to be all that good because BYU was without Taysom Hill for the rest of the season, and UCF isn't all that fun to watch. How much Washington State can do against Stanford when they're both in big letdown spots in Palo Alto I think is relatively interesting. Stanford's favored by 17 with that offense. Don't know. <laughs> just don't know. But that's a, that's at least somewhat there, there are things to enjoy about that game on Friday night. In the Big Ten, we can see how surprisingly or secretly bad Wisconsin is as they take on Illinois. Yeah, I guess I don't, I'm searching for anything else you've that got, stands out to me. You've got Penn State, Michigan on Saturday night, which is clearly not the marquee matchup it could have been a couple how of weeks ago. How dare you mention that game in front of me? Ty. Michigan favored by one in that game should be a, a bit of a dogfight. Also, doesn't West Virginia go on the road to Texas Tech? West Virginia does go on the road to Texas Tech. That game intrigues me just because Texas Tech has played a little better defense as of late. I think West Virginia has a far superior offense. Right. But um, I'm curious there. The spread is like six on the road. Lubbock's a weird place to play. I could see that game being tighter than you might think. Uh, only scored seven points against Kansas last week in the second half. Granted, they were already up 26, nothing at halftime, but yeah. West Virginia, if they're able to move the ball with balance with Russell shell, um, you should be able to against Texas Tech's front, but we'll see what kind of decision-making Dana Holgerson makes against, uh, against Texas tech. Um, I was, there were a couple other games that stood out to me. I think, um, Tulsa temple. You want to, do we have an hour? Tulsa's awful. Tulsa's really bad. Tulsa is awful. Uh, curious to see about Northwestern after a couple of cats. Bump. We, didn't get, we didn't get any cats bump email this week from uh, our chief cats correspondent. Clearly he is doing hard he has research. Made so much money. Yeah. We'll post it on our Twitter and on our Facebook page when we get some info on the cats bump. I was incorrect. It actually went four and zero last week. So on the year, wow. it's only had like two losses. It's done really well. Uh, yeah, a nice bellwether game. I'm not that the, the hierarchy in the big 10 is all that meaningful, but Northwestern going to Minnesota after beating Wisconsin and Penn state. That's, that's at least a thing to sort of glance at the bottom line for LSU. Uh, Florida should be terrible. Do you remember when we would would have talked about this game? Yeah. Do you remember those days? It was a simpler time when Halcyon days before Jeff Driscoll and Brandon Harris and Anthony Jennings and Will Muschamp. Yeah, the Tennessee is getting into the meat of their schedule with Chattanooga this week. So yeah, good. good to see that. Um, is there anything else in the Pac-12 I'm missing? The best TV show on television? No, but I've got something you are missing, Dan. What am I missing, Ty? Oh, drop that big nasty. I don't know what that song, drop that big nasty drum and fife, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, there is not anything else I, I meant to uh, to say with the Pac-12. So... 
the Patriot League. This week, the Crusaders of Holy Cross traveling to Brown. And you might be saying to yourself, why should I care about a game in which both of these teams are a combined 0-4 at away locations and home locations combined? It's the Pat League. Of course you're going to care about Brown Holy Cross. I'm going Brown here just because they started their season a little bit later on. Yeah. They're an Ivy. The Ivy after the Yale win a couple weeks ago against Army, they're soaring right now. So I'm going Ivy over Pat League. Holy Cross does nothing but let me down. Who you got? I am going to go Holy Cross here. Give me the Crossaders. Now, you've been big on Colgate this season. They've made you a lot of money, especially when they play in the Coal Dome. Yeah. They are the Coal Dome once again, but taking on Princeton. If you're going to ride with Ivy, you're going to go with Princeton on the road here, one and one. But Colgate, again, three and two on the season. They do not lose away from the Coal Dome. Who do you have? I got Colgate. Give me the toothpaste. I got Colgate myself. Give me the toothpaste, yeah. Get you the toothpaste. Lafayette, this is a, a brutal, brutal matchup. Two and four Georgetown traveling to Lafayette. Yeah. The, uh, the great Yetosphere, yep. as the locals have come to call it. Um, I got to go Lafayette here. I'm a leopard legacy. Obviously, Katie the Capper. It's nearby where you are. You are one of my top 10 podcasters, period. Yep. Thank you. I'm taking the leopards here. Who do you have? If you're in Easton, go to Drinky Drinkerson's. <laughs> Is that really the name of a place? <laughs> it's the name of a place. <laughs> Good old Easton, PA. <laughs> You go there, they'll pat you down for knives. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Watch the game on one of their fine television sets. Root for the Leopards here. Root for them to win at home over Georgetown. I think they'll be able to do it. Yeah, despite Nicole Auerbach, our friend wanting to be a live Bulldog and how fun that would be, especially to walk through a particularly lively downtown Indianapolis. Sure. We got to go with Lafayette here. Big one, Ty. Bucknell on the road. Yeah. Lehigh's winless. That just means that they haven't won yet because they will win. They're saving themselves. They're saving themselves for the back half of the season. The kick, the classic kick. Bucknell 4-1. and one. But both of these teams making their Pat League debut games this week. Is this the week that the Mountain Engineers take it? Ty, your thoughts? I didn't like Bucknell when I visited it. We've discussed this right. multiple times on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting married to someone who graduated from Lehigh. Right. I can't go against Lehigh. You know this. You feel like this is upset of the millennium. Upset of the millennium. Bucknell coming to Bethlehem, coming to Goodman Stadium. What was the bar we went to in Bethlehem? The bookstore? Oh, great bar. Bit of a weird speakeasy place. I loved it. I got. A, I think I got an old-fashioned. Yeah. I was a big fan. A great spot if you're in the greater Bethlehem area. I don't know if they've got TVs to watch this game. No, I don't believe they do. If you're in the Lehigh Valley, if you want to watch this game, go to the Bethlehem Brew Works. What's the best meal? Like good greasy, like football food that you could get in Bethlehem. You could go to PJ Wheelahan's, another good place to watch this game. Did you just make up that name or is that a real place? That's a real place. What do you order at PJ Wheelahan's? It's bar food. What what, What do you get? I usually go with the buffalo chicken wrap. Okay. Well, I mean, look at you, Buffalo Chicken. They make the wings for Wing Bowl down in Philly. So the oh, sauce that? is very good. PJ Wheelahans. PJ Wheelahans. PJ Wheelahans. Yeah. They Wheelahans, make the wings, Wheelahans. the wings for Wing Bowl. They do. Wow. Okay. Final game. Fordham, the team of New York City, the yes. team of the solid verbal and of Buffalo Chicken himself, Tony Reale. Yeah. Hosting, and this is another classic Ivy Pat League matchup. Penn, winless Penn, traveling to the Bronx. Yep. Fordham goes ham on Penn. That's my thinking here. I think Fordham wins this game, wins this game big. I'm going to say 52 to 10 Rams. Your thoughts. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dull the music here. Yeah. Let's cut the music here and talk Please about do. Fordham football. Real talk. 
that's right. So listen, uh huh. I had a chance to watch the Patriot League rap, the Patriot League update show, which you can find on YouTube, which, by the way, you can find if you click on our show summary. We put it in there. The Patriot League rap was Ja Rule's low point. That's right. And that shows you that he's just done. Yeah, continue. If you watch Fordham play, you realize mm-hmm. they're a cut above all these other Patriot League teams. They just execute. They've got a running back who is a former character who lopped off his own arm in one of the seasons of 24. His name is Chase Edmonds. Mm. Big game for Chase Edmonds here. Fordham routes. Routes Penn in this game. Let's go 52 to 17. Ty, you don't just come into the Bronx. You don't just go to the Bronx. This is Bronx ball we're talking about here. That's right, baby. Fordham big. Fordham big. All right. Well, I have some people to thank, Ty. Please. Because you know what? Sometimes when we tweet out the show, we say, hey, thanks for the retweets. Thanks for spreading the message. You know what? I want to thank those people. Please do. Go ahead. I have some people to thank. I would say you don't want to say one listener is better than another listener. But if you see us tweet out a new show... Perhaps like the one that we're recording right now. Retweet it. Okay. Retweet it. It's a very it's a very nice thing to do. So who because, retweeted our show? All right. So I'm I'm going back to the original tweet to thank these people. I have there we go. Um, I want to I want to single out Michelle Holmes. I want to single out the Irish Ken Coonens, Andrew Parker, Ryan Murphy, Fat Stafford, Joshua Brooks, Will, and Brandon McKissick. That's a solid name. Yeah, I like Brandon that. McKissick. You can go places with a name like that. He in his in his Twitter avatar, it appears to be him and a lovely young lady. Okay. Would you ever consider a dual picture, dual account? <sighs> wow. With your fiance, bride to be. Would consider the dual picture, probably not the dual account. She would uh, get tired of my sports. That, for a Twitter picture that just is at Ty Hildenbrandt. I'm saying I'd be more likely to do something like that than to have a joint account where both tweet or post from. Is your current Facebook picture just you or you and other people? It is me and other people in my family, but I don't go on Facebook as much. He also Brandon McKissick, of course, from Wichita, Kansas. Everybody knows that. He says soccer is his favorite sport. He's not good at golf. Morning is his favorite time of the day. He should have been European. Coffee yeah. is his favorite thing. I think I ride with McKissick. I don't know about you. I'm down. We ride with McKissick. We're the McKissick clan. Oh, they look like a very happy duo. Anybody else on there? Uh, that's who I have right now. Okay. That's, that's who I wanted to single out as being particularly. I, I see them retweeting all the time. I just want to say what's up and thank you. Yeah, thank you. And by the way, every little bit helps. It really does. If you're listening to the show, if you like what we do, please mm-hmm. do head on out to Even iTunes. Even if you just like what Ty does. Even if you just like what Dan does. Yeah. Go on out to iTunes. Please do give us a review. You mm-hmm. can be honest. You won't hurt our feelings. Right. We just want to get more reviews on there. The more recent your reviews are, the better it is for iTunes rankings. So that will yes. help us out dramatically. Also, if you listen to the show, maybe through the website, maybe through Stitcher, God knows wherever else, because we're all over the place. But if you hit subscribe through iTunes, that is something else that really can help us, can really help drive us up in the ratings and help spread the word of the solid verbal to other people out there who might be looking for a college football podcast. Just saying. Sure. I think that's a great idea. Ty, we've done that. We've done a long show tonight. Yes, I am getting tired. I'm getting hungry. Do you think people are still listening? Ooh, 
Maybe. Do you think people are listening this fall into this? I, I just don't know. Is and there I wanna... a way that we can prove this? <sighs> I feel like there would be a way to alert us that they are still listening, but without telling us. Okay. A sort of game, if you will, the most dangerous game of all, hunting humans. Yeah. I like where you're thinking here. Secret verbal. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do, do this. Have, do you have a sound? Um, I can play this one. Ooh. Very mysterious. That's the hypothetical sound, but we can use it. So look, I am going on a bachelor party in Atlantic City. Right. I'm thinking we can play off the bachelor party angle. We can mm. play off the Atlantic City casino angle here. I think we stick with bachelor party. Okay. Where have we had luck recently in terms of targets? Is there a network? Ooh. Is there a medium? I feel like television, television people have done very well for us. Television people have. I feel like we keep rolling with that. We've had some people suggest to us that we should do Chris Fowler. I feel like we should. I don't think Bachelor Party is something for a respected man like Chris Fowler. Oh, I don't think it. I, I, I insist that it not be inappropriate. I think it should be downright PG. Okay. I think we stick with Chris Fowler. I think his Twitter name is CB Fowler. CB Fowler. C as in Chris, B as in Buttercup, and then F-O-W-L-E-R. Everybody should know Chris that, Fowler by now. This is shooting for the moon if we're doing this. We need a concerted effort if we want to do this upright. So wit, what event, what attendee do you feel like would be absurdly out of this world that attended his his bachelor party? Carrot Top? No, that's not good enough. No. Not good enough. Corey Feldman? Nope, but you're right where I want to be. That's right. weird. So yeah. I can be taken out of context. Right. Is it true that you are longtime friends with and the best man at your wedding or some something, you know, longtime friends, best man at your wedding, guy who organized your bachelor party, guy who hosted your bachelor party, whatever. Reginald Vell Johnson, Family Matters. Too obscure. You think Reginald Vell Johnson's too obscure? That's too obscure. Carl Winslow? Can't go Carl Winslow. Too obscure. You feel... Did you know who Reginald Vell Johnson was I when I said it? I didn't. I feel like that's the way to go. I don't like it. Not for Fowler, Dan. We got to bring our A game for Fowler. I think that's great. Okay, fine. Who who else could we go with if not Reginald Vell Johnson? Richard Karn? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, how about this? Is it true that Chris Fowler was this close, this close. How close were you, Mr. Fowler, to being the fifth king of comedy with Steve Harvey, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer, and Bernie Mac? Fifth king of comedy. How many shows did you do before getting cut as a king of comedy? Let's let's dress it up like a, a Destiny's Child situation. Where not that many people know this because there was only three shows but he was actually the fifth king of comedy with Cedric the Entertainer, Bernie Mac, D.L. Hughley, and Steve Harvey. Okay, so we're veering away from the bachelor party now. We're just talking about him as the fifth king of How comedy. How about this? How about we combine the two of them? Do you have any crazy stories with all four kings of comedy attending your bachelor party? Okay, I think I can do that. I can't believe you vetoed Reginald Vell Johnson. Got to bring our A game here if we're going Fowler. This is like, this is danger zone for us. Yeah, this is potentially biting off more than we could chew. Right. No, I think we're fine with this. Okay. If you're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Chris Fowler, at CB Fowler, mm -hmm. 
Five kings of comedy. He was the fifth king of comedy. Only had only was with them for a little while. What led to the breakup? What led to the discord? Was it an event at the bachelor party? Was did something happen at that bachelor party? What Were feelings hurt? Okay. What was what was that <sighs> core issue? I'm nervous. I'm getting goosebumps here. What was that core issue between you and the other four kings? We're shooting for the top, Dan. That had you exiled from that kingdom. We're shooting for the top here. Any sort of variation thereof. You heard the man. Okay, and once again, the instruction, please do not include the solid verbal in any way, shape, or form in these tweets to at CB Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R. No hashtags, no, no avatars, no names, no links, no nothing. It's just asking him as somebody who follows him or can tweet him, Kings of Comedy, Bachelor Party, Discord, what happened to the tour, how did this all get buried, how come I never knew this? Just as, You're just asking questions as a curious fan. Okay. Well, this could potentially get us blacklisted, but that's fine. Absolutely, it could. Let's give it a shot. You heard the man. Thanks again for tuning in. You know the drill. Reginald Vell Johnson. No. Not feeling it. <sighs> You heard the man. You know the drill. Yes. Also, head on out to iTunes. Give us a review. Tell your friends on Facebook, on FanCred. And, of course, on Twitter, Dan, as I mentioned earlier, I will be in Atlantic City golfing in miserable weather in the morning and then watching games at a casino in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I will be tweeting. Yep. May have a drink in my hand. Hopefully, I can win some chips to bring back home on Sunday. I've got some SB Nation bros coming into town. We're going to be watching games from the studio. Okay. Sunday, Wake Up College Football on SB Nation with our friend Ryan Nanny. And uh, then the solid verbal. And then the solid verbal where we get to say Rich Rod versus Sark. Should have seen it coming. For that guy over there, Dan Rubenstein. For myself, Ty Hildenbrand. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you all on Sunday. Enjoy week seven. Stay solid. Peace. <laughs>